Hey, this is me. So last year, the Cardinals sucked. The year before, they really, really sucked. Okay. And I followed them passionately for hey. two really long years. My, my rugby side, I love, I love the blues. And um, boy, See? Uh, this year is definitely, if we make it through 2020, it'll, it'll be, that'll be great. Because if this year, if the world ends this year, that makes perfect sense. Because it'll be like, oh, the blues will look good when hell freezes over, you know, <laughs> right before everything yeah. goes tits well, up. Well, it'll be like, it'll be like the Arizona Cardinals are officially yeah. the most fun team to watch. And hell has frozen over. So there mm-hmm. you go. The only difference is, you know, the Detroit Lions have never won a playoff game except for that one back in, I don't know when, 1978 or whatever it was. I don't know when they won their playoff yeah. game. They have one oh, playoff win since since the Super Bowl was a thing. Well, it's the Lions. What are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, the Cardinals have like four, so. There you go. <laughs> you know, it's tough. It's like they have four of them, yeah, and like three of them are against Green Bay, so. <laughs> Yeah. Oh boy. All know. right. Ready to get to it? Yeah, let's get the show on the road. Uh... Did you know that over $5 trillion exchanges hands on a daily basis? That's an average of over $220 billion an hour. Now, how does this much money move every single day, and why does it move the way it does? Here on Drunkenomics, two bartenders who also happen to be students at the University of Nebraska Graduate School of Business. We're going to sit down and drink to the global economy and try and translate it into English. So sit back, relax, pour yourself a stiff one, and have a drink with us to the comedy that is the global economy. (sighs) Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Drunkenomics. If it's your first time here, welcome aboard. If it's not your first time here, like I said, welcome back. Uh, This week, we've got some pretty exciting stuff, (laughs) but of course... Very exciting stuff. uh, That is my very benevolent co-host... Aaron Wong, oh, and yeah. I remain the less gracious host, James Goldwater. Oh, hey, James. And I didn't know it was This you. is Drunkenomics. Welcome to Drunkenomics. <laughs> what do we do here? Uh, we talk about sports and movies and music. And then we cut all of it out yeah. and we drink and talk about economics. Yeah, exactly. All of that is just to build up. You know, that's the two shots before the mic is hot before we start, you know, actually talking exactly. about Exactly. Real deep, visceral, profound, I don't know, gosh, the scary Market stuff. Market and, eco- and economy shattering news. And, yes, and, the and meaning of life. The meaning of life. Buying low Money. and selling what? high. What? We're buying high and selling higher. <laughs> yeah, I mean, any more these days. Oh my god. If you're gosh. in the markets now. Yeah. Real quick, before we begin, I got to say, um, I know we've talked a lot about the movie list. I'll finally post something Thursday. The, the issue was I didn't know how to post it. So now I figured out a way how to post it. What I'm going to do is I'm going to post our movie list on Instagram on our story, and I'm going to add it to the highlights so it'll be there forever. I'm going to post a picture of the movie or a, like a picture of a movie poster or an iconic scene of that movie. And then for the first – I'll post 10 movies on Thursday. And then for the first 10, I'll do a, my, a quick my take just because – I want to explain myself as to why these are the first 10 movies that I'm putting out there. Um, and it, maybe it'll be something that you can look out for. Like, you know, if there's a thing that Gordon Gekko says in the movie Wall Street that I thought was really profound to me or something that Paul Bettany said in Margin Call, you know, I don't know. Or Giovanni I, Ribisi in Boiler Room. Or- yeah, or Faye Dunway in Network. I mean, like there's so many, yep. you know, so. Or uh, not to mention, like, I'm a movie buff. I love, you know, I, I've studied directors. I've studied writers. Uh, because that was part of my broadcasting little education when I was in undergrad. But anyways, I nerd yeah, out a lot. But so. but I mean, and to be fair, I nerded out this weekend too. It's been a 
It's been a very wild weekend. Weekends for, or at least for aftermarket announcements or announcements that are occurring overseas and it, and it, so after hours for the U.S. specifically. Right. Yeah. Because we've got, yeah, so like we said, we mention this all the time, uh, but we record on Mondays and we usually get the episodes out by either Wednesday or Thursday. Usually on Thursdays. Today is Monday, November sixteenth. What happened this weekend? I I did see a bunch of things oh, happen. Okay. So two big ones for me from what I'm looking at. Uh-huh. First off, Moderna today announced their yeah, so, their trial results, which had which, yeah. which included, had 30,000 people were in the trial. So it's not an insubstantial cohort, but they found that their vaccine, which is 94%. two dose, 94.5. Yeah. Well, so well, so is Pfizer's. Pfizer's is also a two dose vaccine. Pfizer's was also about 94%. But it's a so two dose vaccine. Clearly the data, yeah. But, but what I'm I, saying is it really was like, it looks like Pfizer was not fudging their data. Moderna's not fudging their data. The, they're both right around the same spot. They went down the same trail. They, yeah, they've been it approved like, by the CDC, or they're going to get approved by the CDC from what it looks the, like. The, the expectation is they will, that it's going to be done very quickly, but it's going to be done quickly with attention to detail, but it's going to be done quickly. There's an expectation, as, as I read, that they might be able to have about 20 million doses available by the end of December. Yeah. Now, which, both both firms have said flat out, it won't be until quarter three next year that you're going to get that 330 million available in the U.S. Yeah, I did see a price, a price from um, I think Moderna was 35 to 37 dollars for the for the vaccine. Per dose? Oh, for the, uh, I think for, for dose. Was it for both shots combined? It was for the inoculation. 35 bucks um, for both shots. I know shots. that. I know that that was with um, or with with 100 million doses as the number being produced. I imagine mm-hmm. with an economy of scale, that price goes down. And even they have said they expect the price to go down. As the yeah. number of, as the purchase goes up, yeah, and but, I think for I think for PR purposes, these companies are also agreeing that like you know you know we're not we're not really trying yeah, to break even you know we're we're trying to cover labor costs and all that kind of stuff. They're gonna, but, they're, gonna they're gonna cover costs probably, and that's probably about it. They've they've if they were to like I said if they go further and they're found if they get caught out um, trying to profit off of essentially a pestilence on mankind. Uh, that will go poorly for them. Yeah. I can't guarantee the markets will punish them, but I assure you a government will. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure exactly. that the, 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 the markets will as well. But so that's, yeah. that's kind of the small news. That's just kind of a, yeah. a catch up on last week, a confirmation of last week's news. And an yeah, but real extension. quick, the joke, yeah, the joke has been, you know, with Pfizer coming out last month, last Monday, today on Monday, mm-hmm. Moderna comes out with something. Maybe next Monday, Eli Lilly, huh? I mean, stimulus Mondays, uh, man. <laughs> I don't know. Saying. Next That's Monday, been a joke. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. And here's actually what, what was kind of shocking me is is I looked at about seven o'clock this morning. I looked at um kind of where futures were trading on the Dow, and they were at about twenty nine, twenty nine nine, twenty nine thousand nine hundred. And I was, and I legitimately thought to myself today. I said, I said, wow. It wouldn't shock me if the market goes over thirty thousand today. If the yeah. Dow for the first time ever goes over thirty thousand, well, now it, it's going for it's being you know propped up. It's a rickety bridge. No, I but agree. yeah, no, maybe the positivism I would agree. have taken us over. I mean, oh, so this kind of feeds in why maybe it didn't is the RCEP deal that was signed yesterday. So you think so? You think the markets reacted negatively towards the RCEP deal? Yeah, I do. I, I well, I think there was a. I think U.S. markets. Did or or might have, and European markets probably also um, oh, not negatively. If not, if not, they, they didn't react positively because what they're now seeing yeah, is so one. The world is, is the RCEP deal. Yeah, so it's the Asia, uh, Southeast Asia. It, it, RCEP is for the is for the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, which is fifteen nations. So it's the ten nations that make up Asian ASEAN. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Southeastern Asian nations, and then the five other ones that come in are South Korea, China, Japan, Australia, and New Zealand. Now, 
that means that approximately 30% of the world's GDP exists inside of this new trade block that formed, like we said, yesterday. Um, or, well, yesterday for the US, how, I guess. How much of the world's GDP? About 30%. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Uh, with India, not, okay. it gets substantially more. Now, India would be the 16th nation, but last year, India withdrew from negotiations, has not signed so you're it. you're saying a third China, of the GDP is, is in this RCEP agreement. You know, if you look at it, what it really is, is a um, it's an economic coup for Beijing, for China. They've, uh, what, do you uh, you mean, know, what do you mean by that? So like, now they've got free trade with a lot of their suppliers, with some of the people they sell their, uh, their finished products to. So South Korea. Japan. So Japan and China did not have bilateral trade agreements historically. Oh, wow. I didn't know now that. they do. No. And so uh, so now nothing's going to change overnight. It's going to take probably 10 to 15 years before the tariffs which they're going to start phasing out go in t- you know go in time, but it is coming. Yeah. So now you've got Japan and China which are going to be at a point where at some point that may may have a tariff-free trade relationship. That's what does that do? So China and South Korea, South Korea and Japan. Some of these nations did not have a tariff-free or a free trade relationship prior to this agreement. Now they will. But the idea, what it really boils down to, if we look at it, is that 30%, a third of the world's GDP is now in a trade block with Beijing calling the shots, with China calling the shots. And and uh, and what I'll say kind of in the end is if this could have been us five years ago with the Trans-Pacific Partnership. Okay, so a couple questions I have for you. What does this do for China? Because is this kind of China's way of going like, hey, we don't have the we don't have the cheapest labor in the world anymore. So this is kind of their way. Yeah. Of, to, okay. So to an, so to an extent, what it does is it, it's if India was still in it, we could argue that yeah, we're bringing a lot of in, we're bringing a huge amount of the industrial manufacturing as well as the world's population under one one industrial trade block. But yeah, no. What we've seen is that labor is China is no longer the cheapest labor in the world. Yeah, That's but, been I'm, true but I'm for saying a few like, but I'm saying like, does years. it does it help China in the sense that like absolutely they're, they're, now okay, they yeah. can so now now China can um, let's say the raw material agreements with Australia they can now right. uh, and I don't think there have been a whole lot of tariffs because it's raw materials so you don't generally see that when you're the importing nation and you're importing well, to I mean, produce but this, but this, from the looks of it this agreement is made up of like Australia and New Zealand are included. Mm-hmm. As are South Korea, China, and Japan, which are the non-Asian nations. Right, yeah. So I say I'm Asian, A-S-E-A-N. Yeah, A-S-E-A-N. The, yeah. the Southeast yeah, Asian, uh, so Vietnam. A-S-E-A-N, is that, uh, is that the, the Association of Southeast Asian Southeast Asian nations? nations, yeah. Right, okay. And that's so, generally where you're going to find your cheaper labor, your less expensive yeah, labor. Yeah, so, like um, so like you're in Indonesia. In Indonesia, your, in Malaysia. Your Malaysia, Vietnam. Yes. But also... This agreement, it seems like it's a good thing, right? It's a, it's a free trade. Yeah, it's a massive free trade deal. block. So yeah, it, it, for, it, for is, a third it is almost certainly going to disproportionately benefit China. Yeah, for, yeah well, and for a third of the world's GDP, uh, from the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. How, how does that? I, I I don't understand how that how that affects the American markets in a negative way. I don't understand. So it it doesn't. It doesn't. It does to the extent that it may be cheaper to source. From an RCEP country, a product that it is to source from the United States. Uh-huh. And so that means that maybe that industry in the US is now not selling to China at all or to Japan at all because it's easy, it's cheaper to source from someone in their trade block so is that, without tariffs. So is that one, right? is that one so of the ceilings that, that was there for the S&P or for the Dow keeping it below 30,000? Could it have been? Yeah, I would say it's, it's this possibility that you're going to see a threat to um, – and it's not likely because the U.S. agricultural sector is is dominant. But yeah, it's it's something that might 
it might be cheaper now to source um, animals from Australia than it is to source them from the United States now. It's the same animals grow in the U.S. as Australia? Yeah, no. But, yeah, but do but, they have... Yeah. Well, you can, but I mean, but is, it, is well, the but industry it, set up the same way? No. But it's also like, you know, because what I'm curious about is, you know, one, yeah, is it the same animals as is it as it is in America? But two, it, do they have as many? So, right. so the way I look at it is like kind of if we look at if we use New Zealand as an example because it happens to be a nation with which I have a certain amount of familiarity. Sure, New Zealand has a lot of sheep and New Zealand has a lot of dairy cattle. It's it's a huge producer of milk and cheese, um, as well as lamb and cotton. Well, I'm wool, not cotton. Cotton grows on plants. Wool grows on animals. But if now it's cheaper to source their dairy products from New Zealand, which it may already have been because they had that they already had a trade relationship, but now maybe it's without any tariffs at all, it's substantially cheaper to source from New Zealand than it is from the US. Now we see what happens is China's buying dairy from New Zealand. New Zealand's economy is going to increase. They're yeah. selling a product, right? China gets to keep a little more of their money at home because they don't have to buy any from the US. And so the US economy is the loser in this, right? So there's, gotcha. there's three so, players so- playing. Two of them are benefiting. One of them is losing, right? It's a non-zero-sum game. Yeah. But two of them are now it's, – it's, it's when you have well, groups – bilateral becomes damaging yeah and or, like, not I, damaging but bilateral becomes less effective yeah and i guess the way to simplify that is just like think about like you so you're you have an asset allocation of 100 percent, and then you have a third in a chinese company a third in a new zealand mm-hmm. company and a third in an american company and you think oh man the cap gains tax rate for for instance just an example for, for the sake sure. of the example cap gains tax rate in, in america for whatever reason is too is too high so i'm gonna decrease my allocation in that portfolio or in that asset class and then I'm going to reallocate that to to the other to, two to, yeah. to China and New Zealand yeah. you know because so, they're showing substantially better um efficiency profitability whereas the American uh, company or, is showing or just lower decreased costs. revenues or, yeah, or just lower costs, costs which, right so well, lower costs gives you increased profitability right right oh, so we're yeah, seeing but, so we're seeing decreased expenses in two of them and then decreased yeah, revenues but, in the third you get out of decreased revenues, you go into decreased expenses. Yeah, but I'm saying like for the sake of this analogy, because yeah. for the sake of this example, because it's not that you know our revenues are decreasing. It's just that the cost of doing business with America is going to be much more expensive than doing business with New Zealand because of this new agreement. Well, but but that but that does but that but then in the short term you're right, but in the long term that does cause a decrease in revenue for the United of States. Of course right? it does. Yeah, because but, then but, it's because then but, it's oh well, I'm right. no longer selling my milk. Or my cheese to China. Yeah, it's, but, I, it's but all I'm, coming I'm, from another country. What I'm what I'm saying is, for the most yeah. part, the, the same amount of the same right, amount. Now, of, the first not, thing not is really the decreased same, cost. Yeah, the, the same amount of dollars are being spent in on the products. They're being spent in just, different places. Yeah, they're, well, they're being well, spent. I was going to say, if we assume the costs go down in two of the places and do not go down in the third, you're going to see more money being spent in those two than in the third. Yeah. But, but yeah, that's no, that's essentially what the RCEP is. Mm-hmm. I don't want to spend too much. T- I, you know, I hate to cut this part short because I, feel I, like, it's too much I feel like it's really well, important. It's, yeah, a third, no. it's a third of the world's GDP. Is, so, yeah, but, but well, let's let's read more into it and let's see what happens. You know, because as we read more into it, and we also have the Biden presidency coming in place. If Biden can get the Senate, we can sign off and join the TPP, or rather, what the TPP has become, then we would get a similar trade relationship with Australia, New Zealand, South Korea, Japan, several of the nations, not all. But several of the nations involved, and maybe that's a way to. I mean, you see these countries that say essentially, if we look at it, it's these countries don't want to pick between China and the U.S. Right, it's gonna, it's a loser option for them. But if we get in there and we work with them, then maybe there's a way to also be profiting, to also be involved. So it's, you know, my view is historically that free trade is good. 
and that no tariff should be permanent. Well, I, if you're gonna if you're gonna put a tariff in place, it's to protect a local industry for a set period of time for it to catch up. But you can't just go, oh yeah, you can't compete. Fine, we'll we'll help you. It's more well, like, oh, you can't compete. Well, you have five years to yeah. catch up. And you know me, I'm a cap. I'm a free trade capitalist. So for all you socialists that are listening out there, I'm sorry to disappoint you. I'm not saying I'm right and you're wrong. I'm just saying my that's my free, opinion. Free trade is as a whole, free trade is good for the consumer. Uh, now there is a point where it becomes damaging to the employee, and there is a the huge and the consumer are the same person. Well, yeah, of course, there, there there needs to be some sort of regulation because yeah, you know, I don't want to get too deep into it, um, but it was something I read out of a textbook that I don't really want to get in. So I'll spare you all. Bottom line is, for the most part, for the most part. I'm a free trade capitalist. There needs to be a line drawn somewhere. Yeah. But anyways, I don't want to go to that. That that's just such yeah. a deep rabbit hole. Yeah. And we'll so, and we'll and we'll. I think I think we'll go into free trade. Yeah. Big trade blocks but, after the European Union, the RCEP, yeah. the TPP, and at a later time. Yeah. Because like, well, we get to read more. I have to read more about the RCEP and what. And yeah. What of course. Kind of- and but I, I just want to tie a bow on it. Like I'm a huge fan of free trade. I, I hate tariffs personally. Uh, and if you if you agree with them, yeah. if you cost, like cost me money when I'm buying shit. Oh yeah, if you like tariffs, man, I'm you know, okay, whatever, man. But I just think you know the cost of importing already is a lot of money when I'm trying to buy a nice bottle of scotch. Yeah, if you so, if you if you like if you're someone who looks at me in the face and says I really like tariffs, I'm a tariff man. That means one of two things: we don't understand how tariffs work, or you've got too much money and you don't have to give a shit. And sometimes you know, both. If, yeah, and I'm just saying a lot of products that I like are shipped from. For instance, Nicaragua. I like Nicaraguan cigars a lot. If you have Nicaraguan cigars and you don't want them, send them to me. I'll what smoke about them. Scotland. Um, if you have a bottle of scotch that you don't want, send it to me. I'll drink it for you. I'm just saying. But you know, yeah, tariffs, no, are, it's, tariffs it's, make it's, those things more expensive. You know, a lot you, of regulations. Not to the, to not me, to the supplier. No, well, to them, it's just you know. Well, yeah. the guys that are importing they're sending it, it somewhere. the guys that are yeah. importing it, the, dis- for it. the yeah. American distribution company, you know, because, you know, once the, once the Talisker bottle or, or whatever, the John and Walker bottle hits the shelves. Once, the it, le- store, once it leaves the Talisker distillery to a initial buyer. Yeah. They don't they've care. already got their money. They made their revenue. They've already got their money. So it costs some sort of, it costs some American distributor a lot of money. And guess what? They factor that in when they put it on the shelves and sell it to you. So, yep. just saying. And then there's the guy that the uh, distributor sold it to, who's the guy probably selling it to you. Yeah, how many middlemen can we can we have, you know? And not to mention, if you, tack a tariff, yeah, if you tack a tariff on it, you know, that's the last thing we need. I just, you know, I just want my bottles of scotch to be $40 and that's it. But yeah, there's two middlemen and then there's two middlemen and the, and the customs guy yeah. who's driving your costs up. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, I digress. Real quick. Not sure what we're going to talk about today, but before we talk about what we're going to talk about, there was ah. a quick question on Twitter, Twitter page by the name of Convergence Real Estate, who has been very interactive with us on Twitter, which I very, I very much appreciate. Yeah, send us questions, folks. Yeah, seriously. But uh, he asked us, how do you guys think the real estate world would be in 2021 and 2022? A great deal of my work, obviously his Twitter page is Convergence Real Estate, so shout out to you. What? A great deal of my work, of Convergence Real Estate's work, involves distress, and right now there is none. I know there is, but kicking the can down the road in many cases. But will there be a tsunami of foreclosures or bankruptcies in the next year? And then he said something really nice about a podcast and be safe, which I appreciate. Thanks, man. Um, so what do you think, James? Is there going to be- That's interesting because there's, there's a few factors that play in. So like interest rates are very low, and because they're low, banks are weak or weaker. 
They're not making as much money. They're not making as much revenue. So executing a foreclosure requires taking a loss on your balance sheet. I don't know if banks are necessarily going to be willing to do that because we know that interest rates are going to be kept low for at least the next, what, 16 16 months I, I think I think it's um, I think it's gonna be a lot longer than that and I yeah think, I do too I have a feeling it is too like a lot so, so, it's, so, it's, so that that might be something that stops banks from foreclosing having said why, that why would why would that stop banks from foreclosing because they have to write off a loss immediately okay. they have to take a loss on the mortgage when they foreclose on a property oh really because right? they're no longer they're no longer getting the payments they can now say well, that, so initially they don't have that debt as an asset anymore when you, well when you stop paying your mortgage yeah. they can still they can keep putting into their accounts receivable an asset they expect payment. They don't have the revenue, but they don't have a loss. Yeah, that's what yet. I'm saying. They, just, they don't have that debt asset. But anymore. then, when they if they go into foreclose, they have to write off all the future. They have to write off and say, "Well, this is now a loss. We have lost all this expected re- all this expected revenue. Now we've taken control of the asset." Uh, which brings me to the next point of this, which is interest rates are extremely low. So I think, I think you might have mentioned uh, that before. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so on the one hand, they may be less than willing to foreclose on property. Uh, on on real estate, on housing, real estate. Yeah, but I feel like a lot of buyers um, are now encouraged to lend money. But that being said, in, because buyers know? are out there, if, if someone has the money and has the and go there, now's a great time to get a mortgage to buy a house. So or to, or to refinance, you know. So. Yeah, well, uh, certainly refinance. Certainly to refinance, but you also have this point where a bank might try to thread the needle, like right? like might try to try to just get that perfect point of like I'm going to foreclose on certain on some houses that I'm pretty certain I can resell to someone who qualifies. Versus foreclosing on everything, so it's. I think it's. We're going to see almost certainly an increase in foreclosures, just because people are out of work, people can't pay a mortgage. So right, eventually you have to foreclose. Yeah, but but, but what I want to, what I also want to talk about too is like you know a lot of these forbearance programs and a lot of these mortgage structures have now. Okay, now instead of you know you you could skip it on these next six months of rent, which sucks mm-hmm. with, which I mean it sucks for the mortgage lender because they still have their overheads too. But yeah. instead it's like okay, you can miss out on these next six months or eight months or however long it became. Like who knows? It could be even longer. Yeah, what, whatever year, it is, whatever or, or it, it might is. be. If we uh, could, but, when we get when we get whatever the next stimulus is going to be in January, right? But instead, that's the now, we have to say it's going to be January. Yeah, but but instead now your mortgage isn't a fifteen year mortgage; it's a fifteen years and six months mortgage. You know, they just tack it on at the end, or they find a way to take amortize it across your payments. Yeah, so like if it is still that that same exact term, you know, your monthly payments now go up because it averages it out eventually. Yeah, so and 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 that's a you're not wrong. I see foreclosures. Well, maybe not foreclosures. I do see people selling. I see like the the guy who bought six houses to run Airbnbs. I see him selling maybe all but one for for like, pennies and dollars. He bought the six houses. He has the one he lives in, and he has six houses that are investment properties. I see people moving out of the investment property business yeah. because it's now it's now a lot riskier. The, the money isn't there. Maybe they thought, oh, at the end of eight months, you know, maybe they haven't had to make their um their mortgage payments, but maybe their renters. Have told them we don't have it, or they're in. Def- you know, the renters are saying like, "Hey, the CDC said that I file this form and this form, and I don't have to pay you rent until I get my job back or whatever." So, yeah, there's a problem. Like, there are issues coming. Um, does it affect foreclosures? Probably, yeah. It, it's going to tick up. It's going to tick up either way, probably. Yeah, and but I we're feel also like going to see. We're going to see a lot of selling. I think we're going to see a, a probably a, a, a bigger decrease in. And housing prices, which is not great yeah. for the well, it, well, the crazy, right? Yeah, because so the crazy thing is, is the real estate markets pretty much across the country, pretty much everywhere except for the major populations, like we talked about last week. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
everything took a dive in March. But yeah, not long after that, the real estate market just went up like I mean, I've real estate kind of came back. Yeah, I have realtor friends in Arizona that are just like I mean, they're making money hand over fist right now because everyone's everyone was trying to buy a house. Well, yeah, in, in Arizona well, I mean, with, with, so, in, with interest rates at of as, course at, right this, at historic lows. Right, why not? And you know, and for a while, properties were on sale because of that dip in March. So, and they didn't dip. They didn't rise back to their normal levels until you know a couple months ago. Well, people at have least, to be consuming, in just, in, in, at least just in the Arizona. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't want to say across the board, yeah. but you know. I, I, what I know is that so so what I do know, especially my reading, is the few places that had a lapse between federal and state on um, on evictions have seen spikes in evictions. Oh, geez. Yeah. If that's the case, then yeah, I imagine that there are there is going to be a spike in foreclosures. Yeah. I think he also well, asked about bankruptcies. There's absolutely going to be a spike in bankruptcies. Yeah. And that, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I, you have to I, spend a certain amount just to be alive. And I think that's and already I think that's already kind of happened and then kind of unhappened. And but I think it's going to happen again. It, it's going to get really bad. And it, it I, I think it's going to get really bad. And yeah. it's going to get really bad in a year or two when this all runs out and people start going like, oh, shit. Yeah, I don't know. I spent I don't... everything I'd saved to survive COVID and the market hasn't – and the economy hasn't picked – hasn't undone 20 years of saving in six months. I don't know. I, part of me really wants to believe in the American people and just be like, you know what? We're, we're really resilient. We've gone through tough times. I don't want to say times as tough as this, but – I don't think it'll be as as catastrophic as we think it will, but I do think there will be, of course, an uptick in bankruptcies and all that kind of stuff. Hopefully, it doesn't happen. That I'd hate to see that happen, but uh, it's also because I think America is pretty resilient. And well, here's you know, what I'll say: I absolutely believe in the American people. I'm not entirely convinced. I believe in the American corporation. Okay. To then go, well, I know we got bailed out by the government, but also, fuck you, I'm not raising your salary. Yeah. So I totally, I totally agree with you there. But anyways, I also want to move into the commercial real estate yes. sector because I think that's going to be an industry that's just going to be like, oh my God. Coming out of this COVID thing, the demand for office space, I think is going to be way shortened. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, I don't think it's going to go back to complete normal like it was before. And I think what we're going to start seeing is, you know, if this efficiency from home uh, has, you know, I work from home. It's pretty efficient. I mean, it's not the best, but it's pretty efficient. I think what we're going to start seeing is, you know, this kind of rotation because companies to stay alive have spent a lot of money on, you know, Sending kind of adapting. Home. Yeah. And, and saying like, here, here's your work computer from home, work from home now. And, um, you know, once everything opens back up, then we'll have you back in the offices. But now I think it's just going to be some sort of rotation. Where, uh, yeah, a lot of people don't want to go back. Yeah, <laughs> so it's so, like, no, I, I like it here. Yeah, I'll come in and, once. And, I'll come in. I'll come in once a week, or I'll come in for like a meeting. But yeah, why I mean, do I, I need to be in the office? Right. Like I send I an email to my boss anyway. Why do I need to be I there? I personally love working from home. You know, Slack is great. Like, I mean, I don't know if anyone uses Slack for their work, but we use Slack all the time. And I love Slack. Slack is really efficient. It's a really good way to communicate with your coworkers. Yeah. But I think, I mean, office spaces are still going to be an important thing, obviously. But I think- Oh, yeah. I think still gonna just, have, you're still going to have an office. It's just- But I just think- that If you're Google, you know, do, you do you need a campus? Yeah. Right? I mean, like, do you need, well, do you need 14,000 square feet? For an office yeah. and, and eight boardrooms and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, or, 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 or can you get a, or can you get away with an office that's mainly like you know cubes that people can come in to use, yeah. and then a few offices for people that are gonna that want to work from the office. Yeah, and like but, you know, but, I, but I, I, I think I'm it's, old this, school. You know, this feeds into like the, the whole like the open floor plan. Like the like, I hate to say it, but like the WeWork built like the WeWork idea. Yeah, exactly. Which, 
you know, don't get me wrong. Like WeWork is a- Oh, what's the guy's name? Newman? No. Oh yeah. No. But, My but idol. It, it leads to this idea where like maybe you'd have uh, Facebook or Google. Now Facebook has, has said something very interesting and I'm not entirely convinced it was the right call where they said that- um, they said, well, yeah, I guess to, to work for Facebook, you don't have to live in Palo Alto. So they can lower your salary. You don't salary, have to come in right. and work you in Palo Alto. Have, have but then they the said, the well, if you don't want to live in Palo Alto, we're not going to pay you Palo Alto money. And I was like, right, so, yeah. you don't, so you don't want the best. You don't want the talent. They're going to go to Google, which is going to go, I mean, yeah, we're going to need you to come in for meetings. So it's probably it's probably better come in for certain things. So to live around it's in here. Your interest but, yeah. to live around here. I mean, if you live an but, hour away, it's not nothing in the world. But right? an hour commute, but an hour commute once a month or once every two weeks, that's no big deal. Yeah. And Even if it's an, an hour each way. And an hour away, nothing. you're in a completely different county and it could be way cheaper out yeah. there. You know, the property taxes yeah. could be different out there. And, and, and so, so that's, but that's something you can do. But like every day, that's not sustainable. But once, once every month every twice a month that's that's fine right. theoretically i mean yes a portion of salary has to do with the fact of where you have to live to right. work there it's a, of it's course a yeah. that. but also theoretically if you just say yeah we'll still pay you i mean, it's, well, as, I long mean as, the, as long as the work quality isn't degraded you're gonna pay you're it anyways you're already willing to pay it like anyway so why not just pay it right yeah why you know? not just pay it because because you'd have a happier employee base i don't yeah. know so, no, no, no. I, I, I totally I, I get it. I, totally, I also I totally it's also agree with you, but, like, but I just, you know, I want to stick to the to the commercial real estate topic because yeah. I also think like, you know, do we need an on like a lot of a lot of companies are incorporating like, hey, we want an on-campus gym just because it's good for mental health or whatever. Um, you know, like CNBC, when I worked for CNBC, they had an on-campus gym. TD Ameritrade here, they have an on-campus gym. I've never been into uh, it. <laughs> but I th I think commercial real estate is going to take a nosedive in the major urban centers. I think it will too. I don't want it to, but at the same time, it's like if you know we we've learned how to work from home. We've gotten over yeah. this really well. Not over it completely, but we've we, we've gotten we're getting through it okay. Well, uh, you know, the th here's the thing: like everyone's still going to have an office. Like CNBC is still going to have their offices because they also record out of their offices, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, TV studio, is still going to yeah. have an office because they still. Have, because there is an extent like having your training all in one cohort, having people actually meeting each other in person and discovering dynamics. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's what I was going to say, too. Like, I'm, I'm really old school in the sense that, like, I, you know, the best way to communicate with someone is face to face. Right. I, Absolutely. I, you know, like me and you doing this podcast remotely, it, you know, it, it works. Yeah. But I, I but I, I. I really, I, I miss yeah, in person's a lot better. Yeah. I agree. I, I miss, I miss the in person aspect about it. Aside from the fact that you know my voice would get picked up in your microphone and your voice would get picked yeah. up in my microphone. Yeah, no, they're they're, That's they're the only pros thing. And cons. I, yeah. they're, they're pros and cons. Pros well, and for cons. the most part, you know, I, I, it was easier for us to communicate um, and to kind of bounce off of each other with you know yeah. you being right there. Lifting your hand up or whatever it is, and it's easier to read body language and other and yeah, yeah. communication is substantially better in person. Yeah, I mean we're a social species, so of course it is. Yeah, um, so that's once everything goes back to normal, once we have herd immunity, the I new think normal. Yeah, the new normal. I think it'll go back up, but I, I just don't think it'll go back to the way it was. You know, I still think. No, I think I maybe I, maybe seventy five percent of the know, workforce uh, will be working in the office once oh, we get back to completely that high. I know that's, that's a very I, I optimistic guess. Yeah, uh, I, I was going to say like you, you see these places that have like these huge offices. And they're like, oh, we have the whole floor. We have three floors. It's going to be like, oh, you're going to have half a floor now, or you're going to have one floor where you used to have three. Because it's now it's like, well, did we really need every partner to be? In, I mean, you know, every every accounting partner to be in the office? No, he's reading documents. He can read it from wherever he wants. Yeah, uh, and I will say this: it's good. It's good for traffic. It's yep. good for. Um, it's good for commutes. Yeah, I. Freaking bad for I, bad bad ones more for the oil companies. Weird. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm you know, I'm not gonna cry over that kind of spilled milk. But anyways, uh, 
we, we kind of talked about nothing so far this episode. I want to talk real quick about trade, uh, just trade in general before we sure. wrap up. I originally want to talk about game theory, but I figured, you know, that that's game, game theory. theory. We could talk week. forever about game theory. Game theory just is because it's, it's a game. Yeah. No, it is a game. It is a yeah. game, but with dollars and cents. Um, which, which is why the funny thing is if you really look at game theory in general, like extended game theory is called the tournament. It's <laughs> yeah. Not, they're, so, they're not subtle. Yeah. Uh, so it's a trade in general. Yeah. Like, well, I want to talk about TPP because okay. from the sounds of it, from what we were saying before the mics were hot, I think we had a really interesting conversation about TPP. I kind of want to highlight some of the main points we made. So I guess what was TPP? Uh, so the Trans-Pacific Partnership is a, um, uh, it was supposed to be a, ne- a negotiating, uh, a trade block created between 12 countries. And it was supposed to be between Singapore, Brunei, New Zealand, Chile, Australia, Peru, Vietnam, Malaysia, Mexico, Canada, and Japan, and the United States. Oh, so it goes, oh, it goes down to South America too. Okay. Yeah. So it was, yeah, it was supposed we do, to be- it, Yeah, we do do a lot of agriculture. It was the start yeah. of a Pacific, like of a, a kind of a Pacific Rim um, trade mm-hmm. group. And it came with that whole caveat of free trade. Now that free trade between all member states. Now not not on every product. So right, like so if if so if China's not involved, so if China's not part of the TPP, but you have a product that you're selling out of Peru, but you source parts out of China, there could still be a tariff on that because it's including Chinese goods, right? It's not just purely out of Peru. Mm-hmm. But it was a uh, it was a great idea, and the big one for me. It was it was all it was it was signature as a member of TPP was in four February twenty sixteen. Only two countries, New Zealand and Japan, have ratified. Um, they ratified in 2017, so TPP became a, an act for them. Under, so under, they're, under they're, during Trump's America, he withdrew the United States. Well, I knew, I knew, I, I know. Of course, he did. Yeah, I know. In 2017. But, so oh, the other okay. nation states are still involved in it. They, they. So they've TPP been, is still around. It's just America's not in it. Yeah. Now, but, so, but, but, but was, what, was TPP a free trade agreement? Is it, is it that simple? Where yeah. just that's it? Basically, yeah. It was it was expanding. It was taking kind of the idea of NAFTA, which Trump also withdrew us from, okay. and then yeah. um, well, we'll get into that. Well, in the, a the bit, thing but. is, because the U.S. withdrew, it never really entered into force. Yeah. So in 2018, a lot of these nations renegotiated into a new version of the TPP. Quite a few countries seem to be interested in joining. But the premise, yeah, is that it was supposed to be a free trade block that also that- removed. Um, protectionist things so it would have i mean as i remember reading and as i've been reading it would have allowed u.s auto manufacturers into japan uh to sell american-made autos is there a market there probably not but their factories are already in the u.s we might as well try and sell and having a ford or a chevy having a u.s made car that's still a status symbol in a lot of places because people know it's expensive and they know it's inefficient and so it's them going i've got i can afford to do this so I, that's a weird way to think yeah, about well, it. But, um, to, to me, it, it just it blows my mind because, you know, and I'm not bragging here. I'm just saying uh, when I was working at CNBC, I went to Delivering Alpha, which was that was the highlight of my internship. I loved Delivering Alpha was so much fun. Mm-hmm. It was a long day, but I mean, that was so cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like I, I want to go back. I want to go back to Delivering Alpha at one point in my life. Um, but anyways... <laughs> Steve Bannon spoke, uh, very polarizing figure, I understand. He made a lot of um, money at Goldman. Right, yeah. And say what you will about Steve Bannon, the guy is insanely smart. We, we can at least agree. Yeah, he's if, an idiot, it, though. He's, he's not stupid, he's not, but he is an idiot. doesn't mean he's not smart. Yeah, I mean, he knows a lot of stuff. Yeah. You know, he interprets him a little weird, I understand, but he knows a lot of stuff. I mean, he's very, very smart. 
And some of the stuff he was saying, because I think he was Trump's economic advisor for like three weeks. He was or he so. was a special advisor. To some some I something. I think he was an economic advisor. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, if you know and you're listening, let me know. But I think he was an economic advisor. He was pretty much his economic advisor for like three weeks, probably like I mean, in all actuality, like seven months, but a long enough time to get a free cup of coffee out of it. Um, and he said at Delivering Alpha, what he wanted, what he told Donald Trump was, we want a free trade agreement with China. When they were doing their trade negotiations, and you know, I remember in early 2020 before COVID became a very serious thing, or it could have been late 2019 or whatever it was, we reached phase one and that apparently was big news. But prior to that, apparently what Steve Bannon said he wanted was a free trade agreement with China, which I'm like, if that was in, if that was in TPP, no. you know, why so the TPP did not include China? Oh. If, you, if you really look at what TPP was, it was, it was kind of, then, then why it was, look at it. Then why? Like, cause if the trade war was with China, then why? Then why? Cause you want everyone on your side and not on theirs. It's easy to take one big guy when he's alone, as opposed to taking a big guy who has a bunch of smaller friends. So the premise of TPP was that it was supposed to, so remember, up until 2016, up, up until Trump's administration, we had NAFTA, North American Free Trade Agreement. So Mexico, Canada, the United States, with a few exceptions for certain very specific industries, there was free trade. So the TPP was then to extend that to Japan. That was the big one we wanted. South Korea, I think we already have a free trade agreement with them. We want them too. So we want South Korea and Japan, two big economic players. Australia, New Zealand. Okay. That's the South Pacific, the two big players in the South Pacific. Also, huge amounts of raw materials in terms of agricultural Bro, as yeah, well yeah. as raw mineral well, wealth between those two countries. Precious metals, too, right? Absolutely. Australia is huge in precious metals. Yeah, okay, so, the raw okay, material, okay, precious yeah. metals there. Um, oh, come on, then you get yeah. into Brunei, oil. But a lot of these countries, and you sign these free trade agreements with them, and it allows you to sell into them and them to sell their raw materials into you. But what it does is it brings them on side and it makes their it links your economies, it makes them more dependent on each other, right? So interdependence. Who do you never fight a war with? Someone you depend on for something. It's a bad idea. It's like, oh, I can't produce it. Let's declare a war. So that's what, that was Japan's mistake in the Second World War. They got most of their oil from the U.S. Yeah, and then they did things. And we stopped selling them oil, and then they declared war. And it didn't. Oh, it didn't go well. Oh, when you in said the end. when you said fuel, you meant oil. I thought you meant scotch. Sorry, <laughs> the complete. Yeah, you, don't declare war on, you don't declare you war, on declare war on Scotland, Scotland. when you drink <laughs> I mean, scotch. It's just, it's just a bad idea because everyone should. But, first you know. off, they're going to stop making it while you're fighting. So what? Yeah. And two, don't do that. You might kill an important person or bomb the wrong building. Yeah. No, but so so the idea is that you bring other people on side, and so they so their economies become linked with the U.S. economy, linked with other economies that are aligned with you. If you're the United States, this is where mm -hmm. politics and economics kind of overlap. And it's then you've got, okay, well, Japan and the U.S. in free trade and interlinked. South Korea and the U.S. and Japan interlinked. Yeah, interlinked. I mean, it's more geopolitics. Brunei, all which, these, and yeah. then you start to get these smaller, Vietnam, smaller countries that are developing. But if they develop in your sphere, they develop the way in a way that's more beneficial to you than it is to your, we would consider your opposition. So it was, if we look at what the TPP was, it was a free trade agreement that was also meant to kind of push China into a corner yeah. or keep them alone. Um, so the, prevent so the, them from having the kind of influence that they're going to have now. So now they have the, the RCEP. So now they have the RCEP, which is they took the whole idea of the TPP. They turned it on its head, and now it's theirs. They're in charge. Oh, geez, yeah, that does not sound good. Okay, so um, so going into NAFTA, sure, what was that North American Free Trade Agreement? Is that yeah, what it stands which for? Which is now defunct. It's now it's now the 
USMCA, I think is what is what Trump renamed it when he had to get his yeah, well, he had to get involved. Yeah, because like the thing is like what I want to say is like I don't understand why you had to play like you know I, I'm not a Trump hater. I just want I, you know full disclosure I'm not a Trump hater. Uh, but it's just like why do you, you? But he does so much stuff that I just like I can't. You know, I kind of hate that. You know what I mean? So if the North Atlantic Free Trade Agreement was a North Atlantic Free Trade Agreement. North American. Um, that's, oh, sorry. I don't know why I said Atlantic. That's what I meant. I, that's what I was trying to say. I yeah, promise. I know. I know. But it just I, it needed to be I said. I promise. I was, yeah. No, I'm glad you corrected me. Uh, you know, I need to be held accountable. And when I say stupid stuff like that, because I'm a bunch of Irish whiskeys in, then, you know, otherwise it would have been left as North Atlantic this whole time. Imagine how yeah. tragic that would have been. But anyways, so if it was as simple as that, you know, which I don't know if it was, I I mean, the free trade agreement had to have been like, you know, 5,000 pages or whatever. But, you know, if but if it was just that, a free trade agreement across the board, I, what's the problem with that? You know, what exactly, is, is it just because Obama signed it off? Well, so NAFTA was from 1994, so that's a Bill Clinton. Or Clinton signed it I, off? I, I, yeah, the thing is, so NAFTA, there were, Parts of the U.S. that were hurting because of NAFTA, certain groups of society, and because it's because it is cheaper to do certain things in Mexico and it is cheaper to get certain things from Canada. So you see, essentially, both you see Congress kind of actually coming together, which is really weird because they were bipartisan about approving USMCA after NAFTA was withdrawn from. Which part of me is like, well, it was just to get something, get back something of what we had, but it was mm-hmm. also that they went. Well, this will protect our constituents a little better, and we won't actually have to do anything to improve their lives. Uh-huh. I think so. It's 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 something that it, it will not be repeated. The way a friend, another friend and I described it was it was um, NAFTA was essentially written by grad students, and the USMCA was um, a really really bad ripoff done by like C average undergrads. Yeah, well, we're trying to like as I'm reading you know it. I mean? Yeah, as I'm reading it, it says a lot of the agreements from NAFTA were included. Into yeah, the USMCA. right. So they copied just about everything from NAFTA that they liked, and then they they took a few things. And they're just like, oh yeah, and then because it focused on the same things, things NAFTA because because NAFTA focused a lot on cars, dairy, and car, yeah, cars, eggs, stuff. yeah, poultry, and this one focuses on a lot of the same exact things. So, yeah. No, it, uh, and, it's and it, it's literally it's you know what if, if you want to spend American dollars on this. To, to come up with a new agreement and sign it off and get everyone to vote on it, like, like why? You know, it's if it's it almost was, the it, same it, thing. It, it's, it better expound, expand, and expound upon what you've already done, and not be like, oh yeah, we're going to include all the same stuff that we already did, and then like one change. It's so like, yeah, why not just amend NAFTA then? But it's because he didn't want it to be. My view is he wanted to be able to say that is something I did. It can be, it can be his legacy. Yeah, and, and that, but that's political. I, it's one of those things you look at. And you're just kind of like, really, you created a needless. Tra- in the same way we're having trade issues with Europe. Yeah, because I'm seeing it. Like as, as I'm reading it, um, the economic impact was very minute. Yeah, uh, from studies from the IMF, it says that it, it was a negligible impact. It had a negligible impact on the U.S. economy. Yeah, no, it, it's it's something that was done. To say we did something, not because it was meant to be productive. As, yeah. as, as I've as I've looked at it, it's it's one of those things where it's just like. So it is from the why? looks of it. It, sa- it says since it's been fully implemented, it may be increased the U.S. real GDP by 035 percent. Which like I feel like which that's is, such which is a not marginal. Substantial. I mean, 035 percent if you think about it is like 
you know, several billion dollars. But yeah. um, if you think about it, it's like, I mean, that could have been for one, for, that could have been com- for a completely different reason. Yeah, it's, it, it's enough it, for it me to be like, it, it could have very easily, it could have very easily been because of this USMCA and who knows, maybe they, maybe something from the USMCA was actually substantially positive for the US economy that we don't know about. Or will be in the future, yeah. Or yeah, or, so you know, or- But to, but to me, it, it, it does look like something that it was like, oh, I'll, I'll just change the name and copy and paste, and I'll submit yeah. your paper so, as my own. Like I said, I'm a free trade capitalist in the sense that, like, when it comes to foreign trade, I'm all for free foreign trade. Granted, I don't know the full effects of free foreign trade and how negative it could be if it was completely free so, foreign trade. So it can be in okay. So right, what it, what happens is if you have if you have a domestic industry that does something, and you're in the foreign country is more technologically advanced than you. Or has extremely cheap labor, they can drive your domestic industry out of out of existence because it's just impossible to compete with yeah, the Rockefeller. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, so how would a tariff stop that? It, it'd make it it make it more expensive for an American company to buy from a Chinese company and outsource no, it makes, labor. So it makes it makes the foreign good cost the same amount as the domestic. Good. Right. Yeah. So it makes so it makes it tough taking away all the foreign advantage. So when you're buying, it's I can buy the foreign thing for the same price as the, or I can buy the, the American domestic thing made. for the same price. Most people at that point would buy the domestic yeah, well, thing. Well, there's more risk. There's more risk involved in. Well, you know. it doesn't matter to me. My price is. I'm walking with the product today, and I'm paying the same price either well, way. But, but we talked about holding the two things. We talked about. We, we talked about before in one of our supply chain episodes. The length of the supply chain, as far as time matters, because time costs money. Oh yeah. And then the length of the supply chain, as far as distance, also matters because that costs money too. So yeah, and, and it matters as the person who's buying to sell, but as the final buyer. I look at what I'm getting and what it costs. I don't okay. care about the rest yeah, of it. Yeah, well, but that's you going to a retailer buying a shirt and saying, this costs 25 yeah. bucks. Whether it came from China or whether it came from the factory yeah. down the there street, There are two white matter. shirts here. There are two white shirts. They both cost $25. I don't, at this point, I don't care. Now, yeah, as the but, yeah, retailer- but, that, but, that's, but you, you're, you're at yeah. the very end of the supply chain. I'm yes. saying like everything in between from, from, from the beginning into the end of the Correct. supply chain. But what, I'm, what I'm saying is that a tariff's purpose is to make the final consumer look at the two and go, look at the domestic and the foreign good and go, they cost me the same thing. So you're indifferent. Yeah. So it's to create it's to create indifference in the final consumer. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, that's that's a good conversation. I'm gonna wrap it up because yeah. we this is gonna be so much fun to edit. Uh, so <laughs> at yeah. least you remember the big chunk in the middle is until 48 on you and 49 on me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so we really get because, going. Uh, like we said, guys, two shots before the mic is hot. It took us 48 and 49 minutes respectively for those two shots to happen and for the mics to get hot. So, in case that's what you're wondering, there was confusion as far as, wait, what he's talking about 48 and 49 minute mark. That's what it is for editing purposes. That's what the episode actually started versus when we started recording. Yes, exactly. So, for editing purpose, uh, I got to cut out everything before the 48 and 49 minute mark respectively Yep. for our two audio files. I'm being really transparent with you guys. It's just for, just, just so you know, I hope you appreciate that. Take this peek right? behind the curtain and pay no attention to the Yeah, man. exactly. So we appreciate your patronage. Follow yes. us on social media. Um, what's that called? Oh, that's right. D-R-U-N-K, you know, my C-A-L. That is our Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. Instagram. So, and speaking of Instagram, like I said, Thursday, I'm going to post our first 10 movies with a little short review, if you will. My review. I'm kind of a movie buff, so... Also, go check these out. Yeah. You can get it on our Discord like uh, some other people have already gotten in. Like several can, other people. 
people yeah. have to join our Discord really fast, and they're contributing. They're, we're having conversations on Discord. Yeah, there and are some fun you, questions being yeah, asked. Yeah, and if so. you don't want it, like Discord is for you guys to also communicate with each other. It's not so, not just with it's us too. Yeah, I mean communicate with each other. I mean seriously. I mean go to town. If you want to communicate like and have a private conversation with us, you can always just DM us on Instagram. You can tweet at us. You can DM us on Twitter. You can DM us on Facebook. Yeah, all that. You know, all we're all ears. So. Um, what else do we need to talk about? Uh, Turd app has been a phenomenal uh, new network. We don't have to shout them out. We just like them. Do. So we will. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, What's that thing you're always trying to be, Aaron? Well, I need to stop bragging, for one. No, but when you, uh, but you're always trying to stay it. Is it, I need to play more chess and not checkers. Um, is that what you're talking yeah. about? Yeah, but then the problem is then you fill and kill. Oh. I mean, I say problem, but... It's no, that's a, solution. that's a solution. That's a solution. And as exactly. a result of that solution, you end up staying drunk and alcohol, my friends. Ah, cheers. Cheers. <laughs> a Huda Media Production.